Hello, everyone, and welcome to Once Upon a Binge. I'm Maureen. And I'm Paige, and today we are here to talk about the final book in the Grisha trilogy, Ruin and Rising. Yes, we are, and Paige gets to use her synopsis time, where I just, like, (laughs) kind of word vomited the last book, but you actually have a synopsis that you, like, have thought about and done once before today already for the live show. Exactly. Yeah, I've already practiced this, so we'll get through it very quickly, because my brain basically, like, condensed everything since I read this entire book today while we're recording. (laughs) I literally read this earlier today. (laughs) Woke up at 8 a.m., read the whole book. Yeah, not not a flex or anything, but I can read very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so for the synopsis, last book we left Alina in the White Cathedral, or like just her underground church with the apparat. At that time, she didn't have access to her powers. She was very weak. But because of what I am calling the Star Wars crawl of this book series, (laughs) where Lee Verdugo explains to us what has happened in the in-between time of books... We learned that Alina actually does have access to her power. She has figured out, like, what she needs to get her power is access to the direct sunlight. But the reason she can't access it underground is because, like, obviously there's no sunlight there. So her little crew, who she's been separated from the entire time, decide, like, we're going to take it into our own hands. We're going to set up this plot and we're going to blow something up so Alina could reach sunlight. And they are obviously successful with that. So they get to escape the White Cathedral and the Apparat. And they travel underground across Ravka. So again, we don't see any Ravka because we are underground. (laughs) Not a carriage this time. Now it's caves. Now it's caves and they almost die because apparently the Darkling has been trying to find them and he knows there's underground tunnels. So he's been blowing them up sporadically and that does happen to them while they're walking. And the Grisha have to like work together in order to like make sure that the dirt doesn't like bury them alive. So they get out of the tunnels and they decide like, okay, now's the time to split up. Some of us have to go away. Some of us have to find the Firebird. But while they are camping outside of the city, trying to make contact with Nikolai, they get captured by a bunch of deserters from the first army. But wait, there's a twist. Nikolai is actually part of that crew because he was doing his thing, like what he always does. He was hiding out within and pretending to be somebody else. And he saves them from the deserters and takes them to this nice fancy hideout in the mountains, which sounded fantastic. I would 100% want to stay there. They had like shows for like when the stars were falling. Sounds like there's a huge dome. Honestly, I want that. Right? It just sounded like really good. I was like, I would love to be there right now, especially like with COVID and everything. I was like, this would be a great vacation spot for me away from everybody. So Alina's there and she finds out like Bagra is also there so that they got Bagra out from the last um, attack that the Darkling had on Little Palace. Because Jenya is there, she tells everybody, you can't tell anybody that she is here because the king is also out. He survived and so has his wife. But of course, Sergi let it Sergey, I said his name so weird just now. Let it slip that Jenny was I mean, there. Sergey, Sergey, whatever. whatever. It like I don't know how to pronounce half of the words. We've learned this. He lets it slip that Jenny is there, and there is a scene where Jenny gets to confront the king about him sexually abusing her, and has the most iconic line, which does come back at the end, which is "I am ruination," which was iconic. I love Jenny oh. for that line. Well, I am not ruined. I am ruination. Even yeah, more. <laughs> Alina gets some lessons from Bagra while they're there, gets to like use her powers on a mountain to cut off a mountaintop, which is one of the few scenes that I did remember from this book was the mountain cutting scene. (laughs) That's the one scene you Yeah, I was like, oh, I remember. I know what we're doing now (laughs) when I was reading. 
Um, she also is sort of at odds with Mal because Mal, throughout this entire time, he's like, you're meant for more than me. I, it doesn't mean it's easy for me to let you go, but I have to let you go, and we have to, like, accept this about ourselves. So there's, like, a whole struggle there. She doesn't really want to let him go, which is, like, valid. It's Mal. We get it. Um, <laughs> but Nikolai is also sort of, like, telling her, like, you know what? I'm going to propose to you again, but this time more seriously. And he kisses her, and it was very cute. And I shipped him for that brief moment because he, like, waited until they were shooting stars. He made it very romantic. And I it was, it was a couple seconds of shipping. Honestly, so, say like right. Like, no other time do I ship them, but this was very romantic. It was very romantic and like very thoughtful, and the way he presented it to her, like you have to be fully in on this because I don't want any kids we could potentially have together to wonder if Mal is their dad versus me. And I was like, okay, you as a human, very cute right now. I appreciate it. Now I'm just thinking about Mal. And how she, like, realizes that Mal was coming to tell her about the stars. I know. Okay, yes. That was a very sad scene, too. Okay. On to the rest (laughs) of the recap. I just had to call that out. So, like, everything's, like, sort of looking up. They're getting ready to leave the, like, little hold so that they can go find the Firebird. Alina's going to go with Nikolai to West Ravka, which is declared for Nikolai, to sort of, like, strengthen their alliance there. But the Darkling attacks, as he is wont to do when things are going well for Alina. He infects Nikolai with his darkness and makes him sort of, like, half-Volcra, half-human. Like, there's some darkness in Nikolai that he's fighting against, but it makes him want to eat things. I never know if he, like, ate a human or if it was just animals, but there's blood on him at one point. And the Darkling very specifically says he's going to want to feed at some point. Like, who's he going to hurt first? So Nikolai appears here and there throughout the rest of the book with Alina, and there's, like, a whole, like, he, he knows that he's Volcra and he knows something's wrong, but he also has his conscience and he's able to fight against it. But they escape the Darkling again. They make it to their original destination where they were planning to stop to go find the Firebird. And they travel up this mountain. They find the Firebird only to realize the Firebird isn't the third amplifier. Mal is. I started crying, even though I know he didn't die. (laughs) Like he does die, but he doesn't like die, you know? So we realize like, in order for Alina to, like, claim all three of her powers, she's probably going to have to kill Mal if it's going by the same rules that we've gone through for the entire series so far. At that same time, the Darkling lets her know <laughs> that he has gone to Karmzin where all the kids are, and he's burnt down the orphanage that she grew up in with Mal. He's killed Botnik and Anakuya? I don't know. Something the woman like who ran the orphanage <laughs> that she lived <laughs> it's at. It's good enough for me. <laughs> they both are dead now. And she assumes that he is telling the truth when he says he's going to use the 34 children. I don't know if it's actually 34. That's the number that's stuck in my head, so we're going with it. He's going to take those children on a skiff into the fold if she does not meet him there in five days. And so she has to come up with a plan in order to fight the Darkling. Mal obviously is like, kill me. (laughs) That seems to be the right solution. She's like, no, we're going to try to save you first. And they come up with a plan with like, She's going to hide them using light because she's figured out earlier in the book how to bend light so that she can make somebody invisible. So that is part of the plan. David does his little, like, thing where he sets up some, like, explosions. We love seeing him and Jenya get together and work on that. And then some of the soldiers from the Apparat's army make their escape from the White Cathedral because they realize that the Apparat is trying to hold them back and isn't trying to actually help Alina. And they join the group. They all enter into the fold with the Darkling, and things don't go according to plan because the Darkling actually didn't have the kids, but he brought more people to fight them, and Alina is forced to kill Mal in order to turn things in her favor, 
she does kill him. Like, he's fully deceased at this point on the ground. She gets this explosion of power for, like, a couple seconds, but then her power disappears. And we're all like, what the fuck is happening? This is not how it's supposed to go. And then we realize the soldiers from her, like, faith army actually got the powers and a bunch of other people that were in the vicinity also got sun summoning powers and they're able to switch things around start destroying the fold and at that same time the darkling is killed by alina because she gets close enough to him and she like stabs him the same way she stabbed mel he dies a lot of stuff is reversed and nikolai becomes nikolai again but with some scars um and scars (laughs) exactly very on the nose but like it's there (laughs) alina asks Tamara and Tolia to bring Mal back to her. They somehow manage to resummon Mal. He lives. They go to an orphanage and live happily ever after, raising some kids. One thing I forgot to mention that is very important that we need to talk about is we discover <laughs> through Bagra back at the hold that Morozova was her dad. Dun, dun, dun. Therefore, the Darkling's granddad. And that is like part of the reason they're so powerful. But also, we learned that Morozova raised his daughter back from the dead because Bagra accidentally killed her sister when she was a kid because she threw a tantrum. And that kid that she killed, her sister that she killed, is actually related to Mal. So Mal is related to the Darkling also. So, like, Alina had a little love triangle with two cousins. You're welcome. I think that's a good synopsis. <laughs> Who needs Katniss and her fake cousin when you can have real cousin love triangle? <laughs> real cousins fighting for one girl. Yes, oh. correct. Across generations. I really think that Mal is at his best in this book, and I love him mm-hmm. so much in this book. I just remembered, I can't remember if it's the last book or the one before, where Mal and Jenya have a moment, and she's like, don't you want to kill me? Don't you want to, like, hurt me for, like, what I did to Alina? And he's like, Alina, trust you, and, like, I'm not going to hold that against you. Like, we're moving forward from this point. And I was like, yes. And I forgot to talk about book. that. That's a spin. Okay. Says, I forgot. Like, it's been um, so far past. I think he says it's like, um, I don't hold my friendship for perfect people or something. And oh, I wanted to like highlight line. it because it was so good. I was like, yes, I love this. That yeah. line is just so, so good. There's a lot of good lines in this one, I think. There really like, are. This is some good writing, yeah. There's a lot of good. And I know we had a whole discussion about like things that didn't make sense and like the ending and different things. And people have different opinions, even though I love the ending. Every time I read it, <laughs> I love it more. I was Googling, trying to find that specific line. And I found yeah. one, I found Mal in like the Shadow and Boner Grisha verse, like dictionary. It just says alive, formerly dead. And it made me laugh <laughs> so much. <laughs> but, oh my God. Um, there was the line that was like, they had an ordinary life full of ordinary things. If you could call love ordinary, and it made me. Mm-hmm. That's like the last line in the book, which is like very cute. But like, I know, I, I know, did have problems with I this know, book. I know. I love it though. <laughs> I know there are problems. but I, I feel like this is the first time it. we're going to like disagree about <laughs> a thing. Like I did enjoy the end in like. I was happy that he came back and I was happy for her that like they got to have that life together. I was like, that is satisfying in a way because of like, if anybody deserved to just be quiet in the countryside with some kids, it was them because they went through a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was like everything we were told we were getting from the series, we didn't like, in my opinion, quite get because it's built up that Alina is going to like change the world in some way. And she does because she gets rid of the fold at the end of the book while like she gives her powers and like the fold is like destroyed. But nothing really changes 
other than that, because we're left with the world in flux, because Nikolai has yeah. just become king, which means, like, the Grisha might be treated better, but also the Apparat's still, like, out and about doing his own thing. He has his own army, his own following that we're just, like, left with. So I feel like for a trilogy, it didn't quite wrap up as much as I would have expected it to, but also, like, the Darkling and Alina, their story felt so small for something that mm-hmm. widely impacted everything. Like, when they were having their little one-off at the end, I was like, how is this book... I couldn't remember how the book was going to end, and I was like, how are they going to wrap up this entire... Like, all of the plot points that they did, and I was, like, very frustrated by that final showdown in the fold for the third time. Every fucking book had a fold <laughs> thing. It was the That's same fair. settings over and over. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely fair. I think, like... Even though I agree, I think one could argue that (laughs) they're, like, not to say that stuff shouldn't have been wrapped up, but I feel like there's a lot of, like, doing the unexpected and turning things in a way that you don't expect them in this series. So, like, the quote-unquote smallness of their showdown kind of made sense to me for that, like... In the first book, you have the Darkling who is, like, if you're just reading it and have no idea about this book, he does seem like the love interest. He seems like somebody that, like, is going to be good. And that's, like, no, no, no. Even though they have, like, this sexual tension, like, he's a bad dude. And, like, there's a lot of, like, struggle within that. And the same thing of, like, Mal being the third amplifier, like, it is a really, like, heart-wrenching thing but it's like not what you fully expect because you're like oh no this like changes a lot of things so for me it works but I can understand the other side of that and that there were things that were left unsaid I liked it because it also like it put the like bigness of like that ending into the Oshi whatever you know what I'm talking about the name for the Mm -hmm. normals Mm -hmm. it like put power in their hands and like that's also like kind of like a turn of like that's something you don't expect is there like some plot holes within that yes (laughs) but i like it even though i understand there are things not to like arguably the normal people had power it was the grisha in this world that were like second like they were considered second class they were hunted by a lot of different people so like them getting power suddenly maybe now they won't feel quite the same way toward Grisha but like that part for me I was like I don't think there's like a lot of like I don't think it was like a power play in a sense I think the most interesting thing that they did was like the Morzova storyline I thought when we got that story from Bagra about like how it actually went down and like who was resurrected and how that actually impacted like the amplifiers etc I thought that was super interesting especially when we learn that because his daughter became the third amplifier and he wasn't able to use the firebird and do it like the traditional way he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. It fucked up what actually happened to Alina and she didn't get all consuming power. Like part of me is like, was that always his plan? Was he always gonna make the third amplifier the one that like breaks the power and gives it to other people? Or was it because he made a mistake in a logical sense where he like yeah. his daughter? I mean, I think it was more of like I think it was a mistake, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't in a way that, like, it kind of touches on this in this book of, like, he cared so much for her, even Mm -hmm. though she wasn't necessarily, like, quote-unquote special. Like, he still cared for his family and cared enough to, like, raise her from the dead that, like, it was a mistake, but, like, it kind of, like, 
that's the reason why it was a mistake, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that was the reason behind it, but, like, I was just, like, because of that, nobody knew what was going to happen with the third amplifier, like, if it even existed, and, like, that was very interesting. I feel like that whole plot line, I wish we'd gotten, mm-hmm. like, a little more of it rather than just Bagra telling us herself, like, what had happened. But yeah. that, like, made Bagra bump for me of the book. Yes. Like, she was my favorite character when she came Ooh, out the, when the, the Darkling sh- arrived. Yes, I was, like, the last showdown so with good. her in the Darkling was so good. So good. It was iconic when she, like, all of the Nichevo, Yal, whatever they're called, the little shadow people that they can create, when they all stopped because she was the one controlling them, fire. I was like, Bagra is the baddest bitch. I love her forever. I am so glad that they got the actor that they got to play her on the show. It's going to be so lit. Let's talk about Mal because Mal is, like, our babe. He's our baby, and he plays a really big role in this final book. He is really at his best, and this is why I still don't understand, like, I can understand if, like, he's not necessarily your ship, but you cannot deny the character growth of him throughout these three books, especially, Mm -hmm. like, he is not the best in book two, we'll admit, but, like, he grows so much, and he is truly, like, a better person coming out in book three, and, like, he has some really great things. Like, I don't think Mal in book one would have said that line to Jenya of, like, I don't reserve my friendship for perfect people. There's no way Mal from book one would say that to her. He mm-hmm. would have fought her. He would have been like, <laughs> it's time to fight. I'll meet you outside. We're going at it. Like, he wouldn't. He's just grown so much. And, like, we kind of talked about this in the live show again. But, like, he's honestly the more mature one in this book, like, and boundary holding than Alina is. And it's really Mm -hmm. interesting to kind of see them, like, not necessarily switch, but, like, she is definitely, like, more mature than him in, like, the first two books. But, like, it kind of shifts a bit because he finally is, like, this is what needs to happen. And she's the one that's, like, no, let's break all the boundaries. (laughs) I still Mm -hmm. love you. So uh, I just, I really enjoy his arc in this series a lot, just so much. And especially like, I mean, even though it's horrifically sad, he just comes to terms with the fact that like he's the third amplifier and he needs to die so quickly. And he's like, this is what needs to happen for the world to be better. And I understand that and I'm willing to make that sacrifice. And it's just like, I think that's what makes it even more sad (laughs) because Mm -hmm. he like, is not really fighting it and he's just like this is what needs to happen i'm trying to think of like other things but like he's such a good leader in this book too like for all of like alina's like turmoil and like trying to figure things out and she has a lot more emotional turmoil and rightly so because she's dealing with a lot more like powers wise and like trying to figure out how to do things but like he's such a good support system for her you see that so much in this book even more than any of the other books like you see how much he supports her to be the best self that she can be. And it's just like, that's that's what I need in a relationship, in a ship. <laughs> yeah, I feel like part of it too was like, in book two specifically, every time he was like, you're made for more than this, like, we can't be together. He was trying to hurt her in the way that he was hurting. Mm-hmm. But yes. in this book, you could tell it came from a sense like he finally understood. Like, oh, like, these are the cards we've been dealt with. And like, it's gonna fucking suck. But... We'll still be around each other, and, like, that's what we're going to have to, like, make do with. Yeah. And I really, like, I don't know. He he did feel, like, way more mature in this book. He was, like, 
he just felt like he'd found his place and like he understood what he needed to do and he was happy with everything that he had was the thing it's like alina wasn't his only source of happiness anymore he started investing in everybody else around him and like that's i feel like that's why he grows on people in this book is because like he starts forming other relationships and he allows alina to like be her own individual like when he Mm -hmm. sees her with nikolai he doesn't like react to it anymore which like she notices and makes her sad he's like (laughs) sad sad, but like he's not like out here trying to actively hurt her that he was like lashing out in book two yeah like he's not like getting drunk and fighting grisha anymore he's like (laughs) move past that (laughs) now that you're saying that i like just had this epiphany of like i really wonder if like her almost dying really affected that and, like, mm-hmm. brought about that change. And I'm wondering, like, we don't really get the after change, but, like, how much that change brought in, like, Alina that they're, like, realizing, like, losing everything makes me realize what I really want mm-hmm. from, like, each other. Because they both have that moment. Well, she has mm-hmm. it technically kind of twice, if you want to yeah. count the first book, but that's more of, like, a power starter than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, Mal, there was no other way for the story to go. Like, I'm sorry for people who ship Alina and the Darkling. I get it. You it can have your sympathetic ship. again. Oh, yes, true. Like, the Darkling does become a sympathetic character again in this book. Like, I do feel bad for him when you learn his story and where he came from and, like, what mm-hmm. his motivations are, but it's the exchange between the Darkling and Alina when they're in the fold and he realizes that she no longer has her powers and he says oh you're nothing now that she doesn't have her powers and like that is what i've been harping about the entire time that if alina didn't have her powers mal wouldn't fucking care but everybody else wants her for her power and i think that's why like we were building to like alina making this big thing but i think like that's another really interesting thing of like that's where it ends up was like who wants alina when she doesn't have her powers because Mm -hmm. like even though her powers are what makes everything move in this story and like that's really like a lot of the inciting action is like controlling her power doing her power like when she doesn't have it anymore like what is the world like because so much of the series is focused on her power but yeah like that when he like just like looks at her with disgust i was like Mm -hmm. i just that's where like there are things that just continue to happen that's like always the point that i'm like i don't know if i could ever ship this because i could never get Mm -hmm. like i can never get that scene out of my head of him saying you're nothing without your powers i was like i can't it cannot leave and like yes again everyone is free to ship whoever they want i think i get more mad at people who are really really anti mal because i'm like he grows so much let me acknowledge (laughs) but i think like part of it too is that like the darkling doesn't like alina for who she is as a person, for her not liking, like, the food that she doesn't like, all the little things that make her, like, who she is as a human. He likes her because when she has power, when she's as powerful as him, when she is, likes calls to, like, the opposite of him, she is the promise of not being lonely anymore. True. That's what she is for him, and that's why he's so, like, obsessed with her. And that's what makes it sad. I'm so obsessed with (laughs) (laughs) Me getting deep. Me being like, the Darkling is just a soft, sad boy. Like, he, like, I just, I felt bad for him in that sense. Like, obviously, he did a murder. He's a murderer. He did a murder. He did did, did multiple murders. murders. (laughs) He did many, many murders over the course of these books. But 
you sort of went back to the first book in this one where you understand his motivation where he was like Grisha were treated horribly they were hunted Mm -hmm. and that's where his like fight for power comes from he wanted to create a place where Grisha could be safe where they wouldn't be like hunted or experimented on just because of who they are discriminated on just because of who they are Mm -hmm. so you understand it but like he just went a little step too far which is like he is somebody to bring him back i guess but like also by the point that alina meets him like yeah there was no changing his course it's been hundreds and hundreds of years he knows what he wants to do and he's gonna do it um but like in this book specifically you see the people that he still cares about like bagra he was Visit, like, there's a mention that Alina can feel him grieving her loss through, like, mm-hmm. the wound that she has that ties her to him. And, like, so you still see, like, there is little bits of humanity in him. It's just that he wants to control everybody, I think, in part because he had no control of how people treated mm-hmm. him and his family. Yeah. So, yeah. complete. He's not, like, as gross as he was in the second book to me where I was just, like, you... I don't, like, 100%, like, I like I don't have any sympathetic feelings for you. But in this book, I was like, okay, I see what... Especially because Lee gives him the stupidest, like, basic name. <laughs> Sorry to any Alexanders out there. But when it's a big baddie, the Darkling, I don't expect his name to be Alexander. I can see it. I still don't like him, but I can see it. Yeah. I think he is more sympathetic, but still not, like... I can understand why he did the things. I just still don't necessarily sympathize because... There are other paths, but I get it. Hannah made, like, a really good point, like, thinking as, like, a person of color and, like, all the things that have happened. Like, if mm-hmm. we lived the past 500 years, oh, would yeah. we be as radicalized as, like, the Darkling against people who were oppressing us? Like, That's that sort fair. of, like, it's, like, that sort of, like, I understand, like, you were oppressed. Like, he's mm-hmm. also a white man in this, so there's no comparison, really. <laughs> he's but- a colonizer. <laughs> he's literally okay he is a colonizer we had a whole discussion about this and i can't remember what made him oh because the show the show adds like overt racism and now i'm like well now the dark thing is a colonizer so i can't hunt like him at all but <laughs> it's like the idea of like oppression and like yeah how that would radicalize somebody it's sort of like killmonger in black panther yeah we're like you yes. totally completely understand why he is radicalized the way that he is so like i was sort of like thinking about it in like those i think that that's probably like part of my like I sort of understand, like, if I was oppressed That's for fair. hundreds of years and had to live through it, I would want to get rid of the king who continues to, like, sexually abuse people because he can and, like, use them as second-class citizens as, like, little, like, performers and stuff like that. Like, I get why he would yeah, do what he does. That scene with, I mean, like, you're talking about, like, a sexual abuser. Like, I will say even though I'm not as sympathetic with the Darkling, I like him better than the King, and I always will. And, like, going back to that scene with Jenya that she, like, that scene is so powerful, and, like, the fact that she's like, I poison my skin, that there's, like, no mm-hmm. no room for interpretation there. Like, you know what mm-hmm. has happened. And, like, when she says, I hope the taste of me was worth it, I was like, I love you so much. Like, you deserve so much better than this. But, like, it also gives me hope for, like, Nikolai and, like, what he Mm. might be able to do with the country because he did, like, cast out, like, who he pretended to be his dad for the longest time. Like, he cast them both out, like, also his mother, who he was actually close to, because he knew it was wrong. So, Mm -hmm. like, the Darkling was never the right choice, even if you understand his motivations, which Lee obviously was trying to make us do. Because of the way she writes about him in this book specifically. Yeah. But, like, no matter how much you understand his motivations as, like, a character, which is, like, a good note of, like, an author. If the author is able to, like, give you motivations for the villain of the story. 
and like make you sort of like understand why he's doing what he's doing versus why the good people are doing what they're doing. Like an understanding why, but you still are not like, well, at you least don't want for him me, to win. You're, you don't want yeah, him you to don't win. Want him like to you, win. he can't yes. win. But like you get it. You're like okay. I understand, like, it's good when you, it makes it more satisfying when you understand both sides. It makes it more mm-hmm. realistic. Like, okay, I understand why both sides are doing what they're doing. What did you think of Nikolai in this book? Because he does go through quite a lot. I mean, do we really get a lot of Nikolai in this book is the real question. It was so weird because, like, when they did, like, the little... <laughs> it's, it's, it's monster Nikolai, that's it. It's like, yeah, and it was so bizarre to me because I was like, that's a bold move. To make Nikolai, like, have Volkra when the, the book's already half over. How are you going to rectify this within, like, the next 200 pages? Mm-hmm. I think, though, like, I'm trying to, like, decide how I want to say this. Because I don't want to condone trauma for anyone. I don't think trauma is necessary. But I definitely think, like, his experience changes him. Like, he obviously, I think in King of Scars, he has to, like deal with that but I think it definitely like makes him a more not sympathetic but like he has a lot more like gravity to his presence I think after that I don't want to say it's a good thing because it's never a good thing to be like yeah you got turned into half Volcra but it definitely like he comes out of the other side of that like being a better king it's still bad to have trauma and I don't want to say yes give these characters trauma but I don't think it was the trauma that, like, is what impacted his character. I think it's because up until that point, he dealt with stuff, but he always won in the end. Like, Mm. he always got his way, and this is the one and only time he's lost, and he lost significantly, and that sort of changes his outlook on everything, and it makes him realize he's not as untouchable as he was, like, acting for the first book. I don't want my babies to be hurt, but, like, Nikolai did need to get knocked down a couple pegs. That was a very extreme way to do that, Mm -hmm. but he did need, like, you know when you see people and you're like, you just need to get knocked down a couple times and you will be a much better person and you will understand life a lot more because you've just, like, truly, you've won everything. That was Mm -hmm. that for him. Maybe to the extreme, but, like, that was (laughs) what he needed. The other book, I didn't really, like, enjoy him as a character, but this book, I feel like we got to spend more time with him in, specifically when they're in the mountainside, and mm-hmm. we got to see him as a more complex character because, like, he does sacrifice things. Like, he sacrifices his parents in order to become king, and he's like, this isn't the way I wanted to be king. This isn't the way I wanted to find out that my dad is actually this random ambassador from Fyrda. And, like, just as soon as he's come to that realization, and he's like, I'm happy that I'm king, but I'm still sad about everything. Then he immediately gets, like, another loss on top of that. So I feel like I'm more interested to read his books now than I was after reading the last book. Yeah, I'm so interested about King of Scars because, like, it is so divisive. Like, people either Mm -hmm. hate it or they love it. And there's, like, not really an Mm in-between. And I think people who really like Nikolai, I've seen most of the time like it. I don't know. I'm just like, why? I really want to know why people hate this book. And I'm very interested to see why. Like, I think it's because like, they're comparing it to Six of Crows and the writing style. Like, what I've seen is that the writing style in King of Scars is very different from Six of Crows. So if you're more into the Six of Crows writing style and the way she does that, it's going to be a different reading experience. And, like, I don't hate the Grisha trilogy. Like, I have my problems with the world building. I have my problems with some of the choices she made in this book throughout things out. But 
it was overall a fun reading experience. Like, yeah. it's not my favorite series ever because the ending didn't stick the landing for me. But, like, I'm still very interested to see all three seasons, if they get to yeah. all three seasons, play out on Netflix. I want all the seasons of everything. I want this show to be so popular because I need to see everything on screen. At that point, we can fill everything in on our heads. We can't see the world in the book, but we can see it in the TV show. (laughs) I mean, like, even so far of, like, the stuff that we know how it looks and how it's described in the book, like, The Fold is so Mm -hmm. much like what's in the book that I'm like, yes, I'm ready. I am kind of nervous. Like, I guess we can, like, segue into, like, the yeah. show a bit because yeah. like stuff has happened since we last recorded um there was another trailer i think was there am i wrong no no okay. there was another trailer i feel like something oh there were more like stills that came out so like a couple more yes. stills have come out that i wasn't really as excited as it was by the first one because it was just like more of the same but also it's just like closer up on the same people yeah, in the same basically. <laughs> um there was also an article that came out that revealed that actual overt racism is now going to be part of the show and they're going to try to explore that as like a topic as a theme and there was a lot of discussion like some people used it to be like this is why mel isn't like the right choice because both of them like it was sort of inferred that mel and alina are really close because they're both half shoe and therefore they experience racism and that's why they're close or like people were like sort of like mincing words and making it seem like oh that's the reason that they like each other because they are trauma bonding and like they did trauma bond in the books but yeah the idea that it was like because of racism specifically that's kind of like okay that I don't know I'm I, I'm sort of like weary because a similar thing where diversity was added to a story that wasn't written with um, BIPOC in mind when it was like first originally done in the books happened with Bridgerton which is another Netflix like show I'm like weary because yeah with the best of intentions there can still be missteps that happen and yeah. like the fact that that wasn't part of the original trilogy like the exploration of racism in war times was not part of the trilogy I'm like okay I get why you would want to add it because it's important to have these sort of like elements in stories but from if you're not going to do it right. Yeah. It's like they're adding it because they wanted to make the show quote unquote deeper. But that worries me. It's like the series wasn't written with that in mind because the whole idea of a world that is monolithic in its countries and the stereotypes that are present in the series itself, like they're retroactively trying to change something. That was a problem to begin with. And I'm just hesitantly... Optim- not even optimistic. I'm just like, I'm going to give you the minute of the doubt. I'm yeah. going to let you show it's me what you decide like, to do. It's a very, like, wait and see kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to cast judgment early. Like, I yes. don't know what's happening. I think that made everybody a bit more cautious, even though, like, it's good to, like, read this article and be more cautious. But it's also good to read this article with the full context of the article, which people weren't mm-hmm. doing. They were just posting the screenshots. And I was like, oh, this is Jesse talking about why she's excited about this role and, like, the person who wrote the article they were Asian they were like excited about it and like Mm -hmm. so it's like context is very important that I feel like a lot of people were like no I'm gonna take this and talk about my ship from it I think it was like important to read and be like okay I don't really think that this is necessary or that we should have this in the show and it makes me a little bit scared for some of the things that they're going to try to do but we shall wait and see how 
it is because it could very well be a Bridgerton that was like it's thrown in but it's not really fully explored because there's so much yeah. else that we have to talk about and that's why I'm exactly. sort of worried I'm like you can't just add this and not really yeah I can't just fully be like unpack a just it. throw away thing yeah you have to like go deep into it you can't just and like make how it a that's gonna thing. impact like because there's racism against the shoe people specifically i don't know about like every other like there are black characters in this show there are are characters of other races in this show are they also going to experience racism because they're technically at war with ravka's like is it going to be across the board is it going to happen at little palace why is it not happening at little palace if people grew up with this like yes. you know like there's so many little details that they're gonna really have to consider and i hope that they did consider when they changed this in yeah. the writing mm-hmm. again not gonna cast stones because like i literally have not seen it and i'm still hopeful because like the people invested in this show like who, who made this show are very obviously like excited for it and they have high hopes for it so i'm like i i, I just i'm hopeful yeah it's one of those things where it's like I'm glad that you are excited and I hope that your excitement is not in vain because it's basically like you were told one thing and Mm -hmm. you experienced something in filming and then it's basically like kind of stripped down from what you experienced while you were like in the project. So I'm like, that's what I don't want to happen because I know they're so excited and it's also coming like they could never anticipate that the pandemic was going to be a thing and that there was going to be an increase in anti-asian racism and attacks against asian people and like it this is a show that is dealing with that with dealing specifically with asian targeted racism but it's even more like the context is so much different i'm sure from when they were filming so yeah that's gonna be something that plays into i'm there's gonna be so many articles about this show i already oh, know there's gonna be there's gonna be think pieces left and right but yeah we shall wait and see mm-hmm. indeed. i'm still excited for the show to come out because like there's so many other elements of it too i'm just like okay it may not be like my fave thing of all time and i'm okay with that like it's tampered my expectations a little bit and i'm like ready to watch Ready to watch. Um, I've taken the day off work to watch all the way through. It's going to be a great time. I have a question that we can end on. Yes. Okay. So the question we can end (laughs) the question we can end on is, what is the scene from the first book? Obviously, because that's the book we're like adapting that you're most excited to see on screen if it happens. I have my joke excited for scene <laughs> and then I gotta think of my real excited for scene okay. my joke is that I'm kind of excited for them to get to the stag but I'm like is it gonna be like a twilight stag oh, no. is it gonna be good yeah, I don't have high hope for that I feel like it's gonna look janky um, regardless yeah based on only the trailer like I think there are other scenes I'll be excited for but specifically because it's in the trailer and I've seen the hints of it I'm so excited for when Alina is in the fold and like does her bright shiny thing because I can already tell it's gonna be so good and just like that scene in the fold is gonna be like really intense and good and I can't think of anything else I would be more excited to see at this current moment in time but that's that's what I'm excited for my joke answer is I'm excited for the carriage scene (laughs) (laughs) cannot wait to see her travel across the Ravcom countryside in a carriage. I hope they keep the frame just in the carriage like we were in yeah. the book with absolutely no context of what's going on outside. No, it um, goes there. There's a possibility. Oh my god. No. <laughs> oh my god. I need that to happen because that would be so fucking iconic. I need that to happen now. 
Um, and my real scene, it's like a bunch of scenes together, but like it's probably gonna be like the end of an episode where from the moment where they have the ball and they do that whole like magic Ooh. trick, um, all the way and then like, she like makes out with him real hot, and then she finds out that he's evil. That it's going to be the best be transition. So much is going to happen in that like one chunk. And I'm so excited to see it because that's one of my favorite parts of the first book. And we also talked about predictions in the live show. So I would mm-hmm. like to also share my prediction that I'm like, <laughs> hello, could this happen? It's a very out there prediction. But mm-hmm. what if the Six of Crows crew, to whatever extent, instead of the Fjordans who come and like, fight Alina in the carriage and like try to steal her away what if it's like Kaz and Inej and Jesper and Mm -hmm. that's how their paths cross I'm very interested to see how their paths cross as well like I think that's too far out there I don't think that'll happen but it'd be so funny if it did though because like that's in line with their characters they would fucking try to steal the saint that would be 100% what they try to do like they would think they could do it (laughs) also I just realized the day we release this episode is the day that the show is going to come out. So oh, really? happy watching, everybody, if you listen to this at some point during your binge. Yes. We love it. We love to see it. The timing. Impeccable. Do you have any predictions to leave us off on? Uh, do I have any predictions? Oh, well, I think I've mentioned this previously. I don't think Nina and Matthias are going to be a big deal in this first season mm-hmm. of the show. I think they're going to like be secondary characters in an episode and we're not going to see them again and then they'll like re-emerge at some point just because the crows aren't the main characters for this and the showrunner has also said he only planned three seasons for this series specifically and Mm -hmm. i think because of the whole like netflix has a hard three season rule most often with their shows that they're going to do the three seasons for the grisha and then do a spin-off for the crows so i feel like yes there's room for them to play they're not going to be main characters this season Oh, no, there's no way. Like, I mean, I think we talked about potentially Nina and Matthias run into uh, Um, Mal. Mal. That is my main, like, prediction is, like, that's (laughs) going to be the crossover that we have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so interested in this show, and I really want it to be good. I'm really, I'm really pulling for it. another prediction. What if it's not just Mal? What if it's Mal and Alina while they're looking for the stag? That, they're going to, it's going to be, like, them. It's going to be, like, them in that situation. But, yeah. Yes. Okay. I love it. What if they did a team up, like really small team up to like go get stuff from a village and then we're like, all right, bye. I love that. That would be great. Well, thanks everyone for listening in to us talk about these books. I'm sure we'll talk about the show at some point. We'll, I thought we we'll were see. talking about oh, the we show. Are? We well, are. then, yes, we're, we're talking yeah. about the show. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> We're going to have, okay, so, like, we've been doing live shows with my friend Hannah. Like, we've been doing them on my channel. Like, I was thinking we could invite her on, have yes. a special guest, and then we can talk guest. about the show together. That might even be a two-parter, because I feel like we're going to have like, a lot we're gonna to talk discuss a lot. the show. We're going to talk a lot. <laughs> we may have to split it into, like, first half, second half, because. We're just pulling a Jack. Uh, I was going to call him Jack. Is it his name Jack? A Zack Snyder. <laughs> Jack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> with this four-hour Justice League. It's because I was thinking Justice League, so that's where the J came from. Amazing. My brain. Great at this point in time. <laughs> Jack Snyder cut. <laughs> keeping it in. <laughs> Alright, well, we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.